Good to be with you. Good to see you as always as, uh, you know, as we gather as God's people to hear from Him. And one of the things that we always do before we go on and hear from God is that we want to pray. And as you have heard from Stuart, there's, there's a lot of things that we need to pray for, particularly for the senior pastor's search, particularly for uh, the Miller family, and for all of us, for the elders, to, um, for wisdom, for discernment, uh, and for faith as well. And let's not forget Ukraine and Russia, what's going on there. We can pray for that um, this evening. Pray for um, wars to cease over there and therefore peace to come again. So let me give you a, a few minutes just to pray for those things, and then I'll lead you in prayer right at the end. Let's pray right now. Father, we come before you right now this evening as your people, and we bring our prayer before you, our request before you. Father, we pray for Ukraine and what's happening in that region of the world. Lord, it is always heartbreaking to see what's happening, the violence and wars happening, and we do pray. We do pray for peace. Lord, humanly speaking, sometimes it's impossible to see how that's going to come about, but Lord, we know that you are the sovereign Lord, that you can do the impossible, and we do trust that you will do it. So Lord, we do pray that violence will cease, that wars will cease, and that peace will come once again, that the people there affected by this war, they can rebuild their lives. Father, we also pray for Toby Miller and his family as they come here, as they travel here. We do pray that it is um, a time where they can discern your will, discern your calling upon their lives. Lord, it is going to be a very busy and packed week, so we do pray that you keep them safe and healthy. We also do pray that during this whole time that, Father, we ask that you help them to see and to figure out whether Subi Church is the place that you have called them. And Father, we also do pray for the elders as they meet with him. We do pray for the staff as they talk with him. We do pray for each one of us here as the congregation, as we meet with the millers, as we get to know them, as they are introduced to us. We do pray for your spirit to be at work within us, to give us wisdom, to give us discernment. Lord, we want the right person to lead this church, your church. And we want a person who loves you and loves his people. And we do pray that as we think about the future, as we think about voting in the coming months, we do pray that you give us guidance and give us wisdom as we do that. And Father, we pray for ourselves this evening as we come to your word. We do pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your word so that we can be obedient people, people of the risen King. So Father, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now as we start the sermon, I'm going to show you a very short video clip, very interesting clip. So just pay attention to the screen uh, and uh, watch the video.
So in this clip, about 30 to 40 second clip, we see a brand new home that was just built. So there were many people in front of it. And as we watch that clip, the ground where the house was built suddenly moves. And then the whole house sinks underwater and we can't see it anymore. So the water took the entire house in just about 10 seconds. Well, that house was not built on a solid foundation, it was it? Like it was built on a slippery, muddy, loose foundation, the very opposite of solid. And as a result, it gets washed away in 10 seconds. So countless hours laying brick by brick, the builders doing that. But because they never built it on a solid foundation, everything that they've built washed away in 10 seconds. It goes to show that the foundation is supremely important, isn't it? If we don't have proper foundation, the house comes crumbling down. The passage that we are looking at today is from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 29. That's the analogy of the wise and foolish builders. It comes at the end of the famous Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, speaks about what it means to be a follower of his kingdom in the kingdom of heaven. And R.T. France says this in his uh, commentary about Sermon on the Mount. It deals with the character, duties, attitudes, and dangers of the Christian disciple. It is a manifesto setting out the nature of life in the kingdom of heaven. Right, so the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon for all Christians, given to people who are followers of Christ, people who know about his teaching, people who know about his word is for us, in other words, those who love and follow Jesus. And this analogy, this story of the wise and foolish builders, comes at the end of this sermon as a conclusion, as a summons for the people who are listening to this sermon, to Jesus, and Jesus saying to his followers, now that you have heard my words, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? So let's read that passage. Let's read Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read from chapter 7, verse 21 onwards, just to give us a context, but we will focus on verse 29 onwards. Let me invite you to stand as I read from Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in, in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who has authority, not as their teachers of the law. You may be seated. 
So hopefully, as you have noticed, this is a story, analogy, about two different builders building their house on very different foundations, right? The wise builder, he builds his house on the foundation of rock, solid. The foolish builder, on the other hand, builds his house on the sand as his foundation. So in some sense, what Jesus is asking us, what is your foundation? What are you building the foundation of your life on? Is it on a solid rock or is it on sand? So there are two main things this passage encourages us to do, and we're called to do the both, both of them. And if we do the both of them, we will be building a foundation of our lives on solid rock, perfectly able to hold up throughout our lives. So what are these two actions? Very simple, very straightforward actions, but yet it takes a lifetime to master. So number one, be hearers of God's word. Be hearers of God's word. So both the wise and the foolish builder, they have heard the word of God. They know what Jesus has told them. They know his teachings. They know his life. They know his call for obedience in a Christian's life. They know all of that, and then they went on to build their house based on that. So the foundation of the houses then is a picture of the lives that they are building. I notice verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Christ himself, and before we go on to talk about you know, being obedient, being doers of God's word, well, we have to know his word, isn't it? We need to be hearers of God's word. So the first challenge very quickly for us is, are we hearers of God's word? Do we know his word well? Do we read our Bibles? Do we know the word of God well? And let me encourage you to dive deep into our Bibles more often. Because knowing and hearing the Word of God brings great blessing to each one of us. And one of the things, one of the reasons why sometimes I think we find it difficult to motivate ourselves to read God's Word is sometimes we forget the blessing that comes with it. The blessing of knowing and reading God's Word. Right? Reading itself is, as a habit is increasingly rare in our world today. We are used to bite-sized information, right? We're not used to long-form reading and writing. So many of us, we find it hard to sit down to read our Bibles anymore. And many of us, we haven't experienced that sweet blessing in knowing and hearing God's Word. But yet, if we go through the Scriptures, that's what God's people always talk about. An example is Psalm 119, the longest Psalm, 176 verses. That's a Psalm, the longest Psalm is about the Word of God. Right? In Psalm 119, God's Word refreshes our souls, strengthens us when we are weary, gives us counsel, gives us hope, comforts us when life gets tough, preserves us in God's kingdom. It's a great psalm as we read it. It lifts our hearts towards God and His Word. And if you have time today, let me encourage you, just take 15, 20 minutes. Just either listen to an audio Bible or just read Psalm 119. And you don't have to do it alone. Just read it together with a friend. And as you read it, be blessed by it. Listen to Psalm 119. And let me encourage you, if this is not something that you do on a daily basis, to read, your script, to read the Scriptures, to develop a habit of doing it just for five minutes. doesn't have to be long, just for five minutes. You can even use audio Bibles to help you through it. 
And part of the blessing, and I think the greatest blessing, as we listen and as we know God's Word better, is that we get to know God's heart better. As we come to know and hear God's Word more and more, we start thinking God's thought after Him. We start seeing the world as God sees the world. We start seeing ourselves as God sees us. So instead of being tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching from our world, and it changes all the time if you think about it, we are instead we are being anchored by God's Word in our identity and in the way we view the world. Be hearers of God's Word. And as we hear His Word more and more, we draw closer to His heart more and more. But for the builders in our passage today, they know God's Word, they know the words of Jesus, and the one thing that sets the both of them apart from each other with great consequence is their response to God's Word. Very different responses to God's Word, to Jesus' words. And because of that, the houses they built has very different outcomes. And the whole point Jesus is doing here is imploring, telling us, don't just be hearers of God's Word, be doers of God's Word. Don't just hear and know God's Word, but put them into practice. That's our second point. Be doers of God's Word. The wise builder built his house on a solid foundation. When the rain came down, the streams rose. That house did not crumble, did not fall stood strong against the elements. The foolish builder, on the other hand, when the elements came and struck the house, the house fell with a great crash. It could not withstand the elements. So when we do know and when we hear God's word, we ask this question, how are we responding to God's word? How are we responding to God's word? That's the foundation in which we build our lives. Do not just be hearers of God's Word, be doers of God's Word. One person I would like to um, give an example is Kasuhiko Ishibashi. Hopefully I got his name right. He is a well-respected seismologist from Japan at Kobe University. So he's an expert at understanding earthquakes, at studying earthquakes. And he has been warning the Japanese government that the country's many nuclear power plants, they are in danger of serious damage or even a meltdown because, well, they've been built in earthquake-prone areas. In 2006, he was part of a committee that was formed to revise the guidelines, the national guidelines on Japan's nuclear power plants to make them more resistant to earthquakes, right? And he proposed that they review these guidelines to review the standards of surveying and assessing dangers so that's why he is suggesting to the committee. But he was rejected. Nobody followed through. And as a result of that, he resigned from the committee. And he said that the committee's review process was unscientific. The Japanese engineers were overconfident in their ability to build nuclear power plants that would withstand earthquakes. And in a conference, he said this, I think the situation right now is very scary. It's like a kamikaze terrorist wrapped in bombs, just waiting to explode. So he's talking about the nuclear power plants all throughout Japan. On March 11, 2011, all his fears came true. Huge offshore earthquake happened. Tsunami came and damaged the Fukushima nuclear power plant. 
That resulted in a level 7 international nuclear event scale, the highest possible nuclear disaster, and that whole city had to be evacuated, a total of about 300,000 people. A significant amount of radioactive material was released into the ground, into the ocean waters. The Japanese government had to ban sale of food that was um, being grown in that area up to 50 kilometers because they detected a high level of radiation in those food. It was a huge disaster that would take decades to clear up. They did not heed, they did not do what Kasuhiko Ishibashi said. Two months after the disaster, he said this, if Japan had faced up to the dangers earlier, we could have prevented Fukushima. They knew his word. They knew what he said. They did not choose to follow through. And when the wind or the storms, or in this case, the earthquake came, the house came tumbling down. Disaster struck. What are we building our foundations on? Are we doers of God's word? Or are we merely listeners or hearers of God's word? Are we building our lives on a solid rock of God's word by doing it, by practicing it? Or are we building our lives on shifting sands as our foundation by ignoring God's word? What is your foundation? It's a very simple but very important question, isn't it? And if we are not building our lives on solid rock, when life throws us a curveball, when trials and tribulations come, it all comes crashing down, isn't it? And let's admit it, right? In some sense, it is easy to build our lives on shifting sands. It is easy to come to church every week, sing some songs, listen to some inspiring sermons, and then we go home and we ignore God for the rest of the week. It is very easy to do that. But that cannot sustain us for the long haul. That cannot sustain us through the hardships that life will bring here on earth. And ultimately, listen to what Jesus himself says, that that kind of lifestyle shows that we are not even following Jesus. Verse 21 of chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And if your name performed many miracles, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Only the one who does the will of the Father. Only the one who is a doer of God's word. And many people will turn to Jesus on that day and say, Jesus, did we not sing songs of praise to you? Did we not attend church every single week? Well, Jesus will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. I don't know of any scarier words that come from Jesus to us. I never knew you. Now, that's not to say attending church is a bad thing. But coming to church is not the purpose of making us feel good about ourselves or a checklist that we fulfill. Right? Coming to church is a time where, as God's people, we come and we hear from God once again to have our faith nourished, to have our spirits lifted up, so that we can continue obeying God throughout the week. That's what we do here. And that's what Jesus is imploring us to do here, 
to build our house, to build our lives on the solid rock of God's Word by obeying it, by doing it. Don't be foolish. Don't build your house on the sand. It will come crashing down. Build it on a solid rock. Now, at this point, I want you to notice something. Right? Both the builders, they, will, they have built their houses, but before the storm, before the elements come, both the houses will look the same. To everyone else on the outside, the externally speaking, the houses will look perfectly normal. And it's the same here in our world. As hearers and doers of the Word of God, outside, in some sense, they look the same. You know, we will all go church every weekend. We will sing praises to God, be involved in ministry, sometimes even praying. From external experiences, appearances, both seems to be a follower of Christ. But as the storms of life hits them, it is then that we see the difference. The contrast is shown either obedience or disobedience to the teachings and words of Jesus. Let me give you one example in the area of forgiveness. This is something that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about forgiving those who have sinned against us. But forgiving others when they have sinned against us It's not easy, is it? But yet we are called to do that. Well, are we going to obey that? Or are we going to simply just take the easy way out and choose not to forgive? One person in the Bible who chose to forgive the people that did terrible things to him is Joseph. In his story, you know what happened to him, right? His brothers were jealous of him. They faked his death to their father. They sold him into slavery. So he was taken as a slave, ended up in Egypt. And his misery did not stop there. He was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown into jail. And when he was in jail, even though he helped the cupbearer to interpret his dreams, the cupbearer forgot about him. But eventually he ended up interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. Pharaoh was very impressed by him, very impressed by his relationship with God and his wisdom. He makes him the second most powerful person in the whole kingdom, second in command to Pharaoh. Now Joseph has the authority, has the power. He could have very easily summoned the cupbearer, summoned Potiphar's wife, have them jailed or have them murdered. Easily he could have done that. But he did not. And when his brothers came to him, begging him for food because of the famine, he could have easily ordered the palace guards to imprison them or have them killed. But he did not. He revealed himself to them, he invited them, and moved the whole family to Egypt. Now, I don't think it was easy for him to do that. After all, his brothers caused him untold miseries for many years. But yet he chose to forgive them. He did not harbor resentment against them, did not try to seek revenge even though he could have done so. But that's only possible because he has been obeying God throughout his life. If he hasn't been doing that, would he be able to forgive them throughout all these hardships, throughout the storms of his life, when he was faced with his brothers, the very one who caused these hardships to him? Well, I I don't think so. 
These big steps of obedience, especially through hardship and struggles of life, are only possible because we have been obedient in the small things in life. And in these small things in life, these small steps of obedience that we, every day that we build up, it builds up our foundation on this solid rock, which then we are able to stand up to anything that life will throw at us. So what are you building the foundation of your life on? Are you being only a hearer of God's Word? Or are you also a doer of God's Word? Now some of us here may hear all of this, and then we think, oh no, I've been a hearer of God's Word only, and I haven't been doing and practicing it for many years. And then we come and read a passage like this, and we realize that, and we feel despair. We feel despair because we think it is too late for me now. There's nothing I can do. I've already built my foundation. It is too late. I'm just waiting for a disaster. No, that is not true. There is something that we can do. A quick analogy. This is the Leaning Tower of Pisa, well known throughout the world for its tilt, as you know. And instead of like a normal building, instead of going straight up, it is a tilted building. It began during construction in the year 1173. This was caused by a lack of proper foundation on the ground on one side of the tower. That ground was too soft to support the building's weight. And as a result, the higher the build, the stronger the tilt over many years and increase for decades. That tower was not built on a solid foundation. And the result was that the tower is tilted. And it would have collapsed if it wasn't for efforts in the 20th and 21st century to stabilize the foundation, to stabilize the structure. It would have collapsed, and it may have taken many years, but that would have happened. But because they took the effort to stabilize the foundation, that tower now is secure. Right? That's a picture of these temporary, um, huge temporary counterweights as they do the work of stabilizing the foundation. But that soft, shifting foundation has been mended, changed to a solid one, holding up this structure. See, that then can be a picture of our own obedience. We can still fix and mend the foundation, just like this tower, and it's not too late. And because people have put in effort to fix the foundation, this leaning tower now becomes a worldwide attraction. And even then, if you think about it, this is just work done by mere human hands. For us, God is the one who does the work. The work of restoring us, the work of reconciling us, through the power of the Spirit, we can rebuild and stabilize the foundations that we have. Right? Let's not forget who we are in Christ. We are a child of our Heavenly Father. We are people of the risen King. Listen to what James says in chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And what James is saying here, and what James is meaning here is that if we don't do God's word, we forget who we are in Christ. We forget our identity in Christ. We forget who we are. But listen to verse 25. 
but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. So what are we building our lives on? What kind of foundation are we building our lives on? Is it on a solid rock? Or is it on shifting sands? It's not too late. It is never too late to start obeying God. It is never too late to be hearers and doers of God's Word. Let me come to the end of the sermon. And as an ending, I want us to look at verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at His teaching, because He taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Now, I once had a really, really fantastic Old Testament lecturer uh, by the name of Daniel Block. So one of the things that, uh, one of the stories he told us was that he would uh, do is that he would meet up with his non-Christian Jewish friends once a fortnight, and what they would do is that they would open their Bible and just read the Bible out loud and talk about it after that. So this one time, they came to the Sermon on the Mount. So his Jewish friends of his opened his Bible, started reading from the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, read all the way to the end in Matthew chapter 7. And after reading the whole thing, he closed his Bible, and then he said this, just who does this Jesus think he is? Just who does he think he is? How audacious is he? You see, we have become so familiar with Jesus that we don't recognize, as we read through the Sermon of the Mount, is that he is somebody who speaks with authority. Not just any kind of authority, but God's authority. He's not merely speaking to us as someone who is interpreting God's law. He is someone who knows and gives God's laws. He's not as speaking as someone who has memorized God's law. He is speaking as someone who has embodied it. He's not like the teachers of the law. That's why the crowds were amazed at his teachings, because he taught as one with authority. And, as, and at the start, I mentioned that the Sermon on the Mount is about what life is like within the kingdom of heaven. Well, who is the king of that kingdom of heaven? Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And that's why he could speak with such authority. In fact, Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Remember our scripture memory. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But not a king who rules with an iron fist, but a king who restores the world to what it's supposed to be. And if we keep reading on from the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus healing all kinds of sickness and diseases among the people. He is restoring this world, this world that's filled with sin, with death, with deep diseases and darkness, into a kingdom that is filled with grace and love. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven to bear here on earth. He can do that because he is the king of grace and love. A king who has loved us and gave himself for us. A king who has forgiven us despite the fact that we have sinned against him. I talked about forgiveness earlier on. 
He is the one who has truly forgiven us, even though we deserve His wrath. And He calls us to obey Him as His people, with Him as our King, not because He's an egomaniac, but because it is a blessing to us to obey Him. It's good for us. We trust and we obey because He has first loved us. He has brought us into His kingdom. We are hearers and doers of God's Word because He's the one who made it possible for us to do that, to know and hear God's Word, empowered by His Spirit. And through that, then we can put into practice all that He has told us. So my encouragement to you tonight, let's be faithful hearers and doers of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that Jesus has come and revealed God's Word to us and revealed your will to us to reveal your heart to us. And Father, we also thank you that Jesus has given us of his Spirit that now as your people within the kingdom of heaven, we can obey you and put into practice everything you have told us. So Father, we ask and pray that by your Spirit, help us to obey you, help us to be hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.